Hey, what's up, guys? This is Lucas Burnley, and I'm here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz. You're listening to The Edge and Flow podcast. Um, this is kind of our conversational space to talk about all things making, design, uh, just life in general, kind of personal improvement, all those things. Flaws. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Every, Everything there is to talk about. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, apparently. Uh, apparently, Episode. we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, neither one of us are busy, which is awesome. Now that we've, uh, re free prioritized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what are you not busy with TJ? Uh, CAD courses, major, major focus. Um, rebuilding all the fixtures touched on that too. And designing a new knife model. Uh, yeah, those are like the three main prongs. I would say continuing. That's good. Those are two. What do we, what did we say a long time ago? How many things can you balance? Yeah. Uh, about that many is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're at three. Yeah. Nice. Um, we got discord up and running. Okay. Which is pretty awesome. I'm very mm -hmm. excited about this. Uh, there, I believe is currently a total of, uh, six members. It's a pretty big number. Yeah, I know. It's um, a party. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard yeah. time keeping track of names. It's kind of crazy. I know. Uh, I want to dig into that a little bit. Where do you want to start, though? You want to start with the CAD? I, I know that's like on your mind. I mean, yeah, we sure can. Yeah. Okay. Don't have to talk too much about it, but. Okay. TJ Schwartz course for kids who don't CAD good. Is that? Yeah, that's the that's <laughs> the URL. Yep. No, I yeah, working on the CAD courses, it's it's becoming a reality. I'm pushing it. It's it's kind of like actually the lead project right now. And uh so I'm 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 recording a bunch of content. I'm re-recording because what I found is if I record the content in a little bit of a longer form, almost like a lecture, and then mm -hmm. I watch it, I get an idea of what it sounds like, and then I, I'm now processing it down into smaller bites. So I feel like when I monologue, I get more points across, but totally. I, it becomes disjointed. And then I listen to the monologue and then I try to make it independently consumable because the format I'm going for is it'll be a, a paid mem paid subscription would be what it would be called. But you're you're given access to a channel on the site where okay. all of the videos that are in that channel are available. I can add and remove videos and it just naturally just comes live to whoever's subscribed to that um, channel to that channel correct got it and so the what i'm going to have is a whole bunch of videos that are pretty basic that are literally like intro to fusion like from the moment you turn it on yeah and so each one of those being going to be extremely segmented because if you have a question like wait a minute what does that constraint do you can go to that very specific video but then below that we're going to model a fixed blade in like some larger sections that are a little bit more like almost like a narrative way of doing it as opposed yep. to like totally segmented. Yep. So you'll be able to reference back to the segmented like nuts and bolts, but then continue like the linear progression through a knife is yep. in addition to that. Okay. That makes, so when you and I were, or when you were essentially tutoring me, I had a notebook on hand. And I was handwriting notes for basically everything you said, which we found almost doubled the time of any like skill building exercise. Mm -hmm. Because what I realized was that as you're moving through these things, 
yeah, you want to be able to, to use the skill, but more importantly, you want to be able to understand why you are using a certain tool coming from coming from Rhino into fusion. This was really hard for me because a lot of what fusion does is, is so driven by the constraints. Mm-hmm. Still the number one thing that I struggle with. So the ability for you to, to basically demonstrate how they're used inside of a knife and then for someone to be able to go back to it, like that's, that's huge. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I honestly had no idea. I was kind of like frozen on the idea of how it would be organized and structured. And so I just, re- I just decided to just start recording and monologuing. Like yeah. I said, the basics. And it wasn't until I was re I, I like set them down for a week and then watched them a week later. And then I kind of had a little bit of a fresh ear and I was like, okay, I, I start to see by listening how it should probably be. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to create like a solid product um, that, I mean, if I went the YouTube route and was just posting videos, you see a yeah. lot of like, you almost call them like tips and tricks. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is like the YouTube algorithm shuffles everything. Totally. And so it's like, you, you have to get really good at like knowing what to search. Right. But if they're, if it's all in the same little set, little screen and it's all chronological and it's just like, there's no algorithm, there's no competing information. I'm trying to just make it like take a YouTube approach, but gut it and make it curated and specific. That makes sense. The The other thing is like, why, why would it matter doing a CAD course specifically around knife design versus like just doing online classes for fusion? When I first started learning Rhino, I guess Rhino, I, I had learned AutoCAD. I'd started learning AutoCAD a little bit before Rhino. And it was like we were laying out a house. None of the the techniques that I really needed or wanted to know were like in this. And then they're they're there, but it's so, at least for me, it was so kind of removed that there was no way to tie it in. I mean, like even mm-hmm. with Rhino, it's like you start modeling a duck and you're like, this is cool, but like this isn't like a mechanic. I'm like, there's no, there's nothing you know, dimension, yeah. mechanical, yeah. the way, the way that you work inside a fusion, um, is man, it, it really is like, not to like, you know, blow smoke, but like it opened my eyes to process. Uh, I just stopped myself from saying it, <laughs> um, but, but they're, they're like hard learned lessons. And I've seen enough other makers use fusion to know why, what you are, the way that you do it is kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this though. What are you doing a model in there? So like you you obviously you're modeling a knife. So I haven't got that far yet. I've been really okay. bogged down with like the intro level stuff. Okay. So, um, what the, it's going to be a fixed blade to start just because that's the most approachable. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't approached what like I would design specifically. The thing is, I, I don't think I would get too bogged down into it being like, oh, this is a finished knife that I would make today and sell because I'm more interested in what would it, what would the knife look like if it integrated a lot of the techniques that could be used. And so it might be like over designed because. It ends Ooh, I like up, that. You know what I mean? Because it, it has all the bells and whistles that would teach you those fusion 
tricks. Okay, hear hear me out on this part. This is this is where I'm going with it. Um, great resource for fusion has been um, Titans of CNC. Mm-hmm. Right, it's pretty cool. What I loved about the way that they did it was essentially you're just building. I mean, they're it's just a random part. Okay, mm-hmm. but for a learner like me. Um, and I think there's a few areas where this really starts to make sense. You're able to actually take those parts all the way through manufacturing, mm-hmm. seeing that entire workflow and, and being able to hold of like a, a three dimensional part was huge. When I did their first exercise, I just 3d printed it, mm-hmm. but this, your course might have some like secondary effects where it's like, okay. Uh, I know I want to learn like how to design a knife. I don't actually have CNC. I don't have, maybe I don't have knife making equipment, but I have a 3d printer. If you, if you essentially give something that is like an open source design, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of value in people being able to kind of mess with that as a route to like visualize what it is to create a product. Yeah. But it also, from like a standpoint of a way for people to show also like what they're doing, like they can be like, hey, check this out. Like I got all the parameters on my 3D printer set up and it ties back to you, which like on a marketing side is rad too. Yeah. Kind of fun. I I agree. There's a a good chance you're like now that you've said that, that I will just make the Fusion files available for download if you're like Mm -hmm. part of this you know, core system that you could just, that way you can look at it and open it and just tweak it. Right. But one of the things I want to avoid, and this is something that I've seen in a lot of YouTube videos about like different designs and knives and things is like what they're teaching is how to design one of my knives. Totally. And it's like, I don't want this to be, how do you design a knife like me? Right. It's how do you use all of the tools of fusion at your disposal to design your knife? Right. You know what I mean? So like, I, I, I don't know that the knife that I'm going to design is going to look good. It might look it horrible. Shouldn't, it shouldn't look yeah. good. that. And that's yeah. not what I'm saying. It shouldn't be like something yeah. where you're like, Oh yeah, I'm making like the Schwartz knife and it's awesome. Yeah. It could be a butter knife. Yeah. It's about the techniques, but I think that the, I think that the, the ability to create, what you are visualizing is one of the primary chasms that a designer has to cross in mm-hmm. as they progress into fabricating, making, manufacturing, anything. To be able to see something on a screen and then actually hold a part is huge. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe that person has a laser cutter. Cool. Just download that file and at least laser cut a template. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a 3D printer. Great. 3D print the scales. Mm-hmm. I just think that ability to to kind of engage, I think I think you will get a return on the investment that outweighs. Well, I guess I don't I don't see a downside. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're not gonna put in one of your models and be like, anybody can make this model. The knife is essentially gonna be it's like it's almost in my brain. I'm just seeing like a four inch drop point hunter. It's like neutral, mm-hmm. the most neutral knife shape in existence. Yeah. No, that's a good point. With all of the techniques to get to that point. Yeah. 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 No, it's 
it's going to be fun. And, and like I said, getting into the, I'm really looking forward to getting into recording the designing of the knife mm-hmm. because I feel like it's, I thought that the fundamentals part was going to be the easy part. It's definitely like orders of magnitude harder than the design the knife part because I have to try to cover everything right. and fundamentals at that level, the, the width of information required that to be recorded is going to be like, hours and hours of content to like this is all of fusion 360 that i would recommend using that i use in segmented pieces whereas if i go to designing the knife i can be a little bit more linear and direct and like have a little bit more tunnel vision and right now i have to think like i'll be i'll be explaining something and i'll see like there is a box that's over here that they you could also theoretically use i need to add that and it ends up being substantial so i'm excited to design the knife and record that content. And I haven't got there yet, but it's, that's going to be fun. Funny. The fundamentals thing is interesting. As you were talking about it, I had this like very distinct memory of uh, an old um, combatives coach that I worked with for years from like, he was my kickboxing coach when I was a kid. And we did like combatives as I got older. And I remember an example that he gave about like taking three steps and opening a doorknob and then like reaching around, grabbing the other doorknob and pulling the door shut as if you had never done that before and were unfamiliar with the motions. And I think this really is like something related to like uh, closing a gap, head and neck manipulation to like a heel stomp or something. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why, why is it so hard to sequence this? And it's like, because you're, these are motions that your body is not actually accustomed to doing. Whereas like at this point, if I say, uh, grab the drawer, pull and pull the drawer out, all of those things make sense. Mm-hmm. That is like kind of how I view the basics of like getting yeah. into fusion. It's like, you actually don't know how to make like these two lines do what you want. And it's not what your brain thinks. Yeah. So you're literally yeah. learning like these, like it's like baby, baby CAD, CAD for yeah. babies. Yeah. It reminds me in engineering school back in the day, we had an exercise where it was like, you had to um, create an assembly line for like peanut butter crackers, like two pieces, two crackers with peanut butter in the middle. And they had to be placed in a tray. And so you as engineers had to design the process and you had to get like these students from another class, just unrelated. And they were told to follow your process specifically and do not deviate and do not make assumptions, follow this process exactly. And so you had to think like, okay, the one side of the cracker is kind of domed, place that domed side on the table, use the butter knife to put peanut butter on that while holding the cracker. And it's like what you're saying. Totally. It's like they were told like, do not deviate from what they said. So you'd see people doing stuff where they're like, the the dome side is on the inside and like things were side like everything was messed up that you didn't expect yeah and that's the way i'm having to think is like wait a minute i just jumped over the fact that i sketched a circle yeah and i'm like wait a minute i got to go back to the basics of like okay this is how you sketch a circle yeah you know what i mean 100 100 percent. it's like the that idea of like okay explain it to me like i'm five yeah having just explained some things to well to a six-year-old this morning uh, I actually, it was, it was really fun. Bo came out to the shop at like, I think like six 30 in the morning and I was soldering mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, cool. Like, 
pulled them up and basically like we just I took some silver scrap and I let them hold the torch and we just melted silver. But when I think about the skills that are actually involved in that, I mean, he's using he's using an oxyacetylene mm-hmm. torch six years old. It's like, don't brush your other hand. Yeah. All those like little crazy kid movements that you do don't do any of those. And it's like, yeah. how do you teach that? inside of a short motion it's like okay like keep this hand down all right like i support the torch with you and then i'm like okay then i like unweight my hands i say okay you have the torch and i let him feel what the torch feels like but when you think about it it's like there's so much going on Mm -hmm. it's basically how i still feel when i'm using fusion like i think about all the things that you've said where i'm like okay i need to like ground this object okay how do i ground it and then i'm like it's not defined. Why is that line blue? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that like inside, I feel like a lot of times inside of Rhino, like I just kind of blast through stuff because it wasn't as critical the way that I was using it. Yeah. That is and, where the power is. And, and I should also point out like if someone's listening to this, that's curious about this content, but they do have like moderate experience. Like I said, the way that I want to bisect it is like the super, super like zero level starting from first opening fusion it's it's skippable because it's all compartmentalized to where it's like you could if you had moderate experience not like spend all the time because i could have just recorded like six hours straight and Mm -hmm. then you just press play and i and i was yeah it doesn't work i realized it was going to be trash if i did that and so i'm trying to make it so that you could jump in line like two-thirds of the way or a third of the way in and like and do well, you know what I mean? So I'm going to hazard that anybody that's actually serious too is actually just going to sit through the whole thing because yeah. even in basics, like everybody has something that they can shore up or yeah. like see yeah. a different way. Even if it's to go, oh, I don't like the way TJ does that. Yeah. But I think that, I think the majority of people, I think it's going to be sticky. I think they're going to watch the whole thing Yeah. here. How is it going to work as far as like, so I'm, I, if, if I drive with you somewhere, and you tell me where we're going, I will not remember it. If you, if I'm in the driver's seat and we drive somewhere, I'll remember it. Yeah. What is going to be like, are they going to do like a dual screen thing and like follow along steps or how do you so, envision that? So, so the, the fundamentals part is not a very follow along part. Okay. And if you wanted to, you could, but the segments are so short. Like I said, I want to compress them to where each segment is like four to 15 minutes. So it's like, okay. So, it, I mean, 15 would be on the very long side, but it'd be like, if you're like, you open Fusion, you're like, okay, I'm going to sketch uh, constraints, I'm feeling a little foggy. You could just like watch that video and like, you could follow along with it. Okay. I want it bite-sized enough where you could just watch the whole segment and be like, okay, I remember that now. And then right, do next it again. time you go into, into yeah. your design and you're like, oh, I can't remember this. You just go straight. Yeah, whereas the, the constraints like whereas the modeling the knife would very much be benefited by following along. Right. Because the thing about following along in the fundamentals part is like all I'm doing is really like pointing and talking. Like this is right. this is where this is. And so it's like if you're following, all you're really gonna be doing is like clicking on the same things I'm clicking, which you That's could do. That's actually how I would do it. So yeah. when I watch this, guaranteed I'll have it, I'll have it dual screen and I'll just be like because it's muscle memory. Yeah. It's growth. That is, that is opening the doorknob. I yeah. have to just be familiar enough of like, Oh, I want to create a sketch. Like, okay, that's up in the left-hand corner. Like click sketch. Like, mm-hmm. okay. 
small things like that. But inside of a four minute video, if someone wants to do that, they can do that. Yeah. So that's fine. Okay. Are you going to do any, are there going to be modeling exercises that are not a knife to, to like go over some basic concepts or do you just jump straight into a knife kind of as the basic project? Every, in the fundamentals part, every tool is going to be used in a simple way that just demonstrates what it does. Awesome. And then, and then in the knife, that's where it all comes together. And so if you were like, if, if you want to know like, what is a loft, there'll be like, you'll be able to see what a loft is. And the, the idea of the fundamentals is to show you that it exists and to be a reference for when you decide to use it, how, what to click on and stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of the fundamentals is like, I want you to know everything that exists in this program so that right. you can later remember that it existed and come back to that segment and then apply it to what you're doing. Um, Love but, it. But it, it's, it's going to be a, a work in progress, dude. And I should make the point because of the way that it's set up with that channel, that apparatus of like you're logging into a channel, I can un- upload. Uh, I want to have a setup where if you're, if you're submitting questions, A, I can answer those questions if they're really simple, but B, if it's a very common question that's not explainable via text, right. I want to have it where I can just add, just append a question answered video right. in the channel, just like a YouTuber would. Yep. So that you, so it's like, if I realize that in one segment, I totally skipped a little thing that everyone's stuck on, I can just add another video in there that's like question answered, uh, you know, making sure to select this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so if you're like already a paid member, and you're in there and it's, it won't be a subscription in terms of monthly. It'll just be flat rate. But right. if you have paid that, you get just all of future videos for that channel. Okay. So yeah. That, and you're, of course you're going to like keep updating as you go. So this isn't really like a static. No, it's not static thing. And if, are if, you, go ahead. if, if a segment, like let's say there's a segment about sketch constraints. Yeah. And after a while, I'm like, wow, people are struggling with that. Like, right, I, right, didn't, right. I didn't convey it as well as I could have. I, I could re-record that segment and replace it. And oh, I everyone, love that. everyone would get the new version. So it's or like, do an addendum or yeah, whatever. So, you so know? I'm trying to remind myself that like this is a living, breathing thing. And I I want to get it as, as high quality as possible, but I can always fix it and like improve it. I, I really like that. It's just evolving. I mean, that's mm-hmm. everything we do benefits from the ability to like not overthink the first rendition yeah. and leave yourself room for like expansion. Yeah. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I don't know where people are going to get stuck right until they tell me, you know? So right. We'll find out. I got stuck everywhere, <laughs> but I dude, it's yeah. been great. I actually, I had, I don't know. I had like so many of these weird little like epiphanies over the last couple of months. And like one thing is just around this concept of consistency. Um, as opposed to like, trying to like make larger time to like do these things. Like basically at this point I'm trying to get into fusion daily and it, I'm not worrying about the time. So like yesterday I got mm-hmm. in, I was in there for 15 minutes, but I modeled a simple part that had been kind of hanging over my head. And it's like, it's done. Man. It still stacks. Like the mm-hmm. time stacks and I, I struggle with the same things. And then I like answer the question. And I learn a little bit more and I, I just am seeing that right now, like there's so much value in just like repetitions, mm-hmm. 
but it, the repetitions do not have to be like long form, mm-hmm. which I think is how yeah. I've tried to do things over the years so much. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully the compartmentalization that I'm shooting for helps with that, where it's like you could wake up before work in the morning or whatever your situation yeah. is and just be like, I'm just going to watch the next segment that's six yep. minutes. I'm going to go into fusion and I'm going to play with those things. Yep. And then the next day I'm going to do another thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you, do you have an idea of like how long you feel like this will take people to complete? I mean, I, that's like, mm. that's like how long is a string? Yeah. But like, is it's kind of, it sounds like it's kind of an ongoing thing. Cause you have at this point, how many, how many hours do you, do you think like, the like first courses the 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 initial launch i suspect would push into the at least four probably five or six hours okay um of total content that's actually that is a lot yeah because i i recorded i started recording Um, i thought the fusion fundamentals i was like yeah i could probably knock this out probably like an hour or two and i was like whoa this is taking longer than i thought (laughs) and i had like you know i I had like a video where i was like okay sketches and constraints and then i looked down at the recording i'm like i'm an hour in to talking about sketches and constraints i'm like okay and that was where i was like okay i need to i need to bisect this because i don't want one hour segments i want no more than like 15 minutes so that you can index it because if you can't if you can't like go back and be like well i know we talked about it in this video but i don't know if it's five minutes in or 55 minutes in right it's like you and I were probably doing an hour at a time. Yeah. What we found was those hours, like we were probably focusing for like 15 minutes on some given thing because of how many questions I would have. Yeah. It would just expand. And that's exactly what you're saying about the constraints right there. And that's, that's a benefit though, with the way that I think this is set up over being live. Yeah. In that you can, backtrack to the segments totally. constantly yep Re- like because like we we would talk for an hour and then if you were on the computer without me yeah the things that i said are lost right yeah Unless if, I, you if remember- I hadn't written it down yeah exactly honestly like we should have recorded yeah all of that that would have mm-hmm. been super smart i mean even i should have recorded it just so i could go back yeah. but you're right it would have been crazy to be like okay uh on the 13th day uh, you know 48 minutes in is that nugget yeah so i I want those nuggets to be findable accessible first order retrievability as burnley and uh adam savage say oh i like that i'm getting yeah i'm getting (laughs) getting added to that yeah dude okay um do you have a timeline um so i so i i have steel coming for the new project i'm working on sick i want to get launch this thing before the steel gets here because as soon as the steel gets here, like this is my, my plate will get overfilled if I end up having to do both. Um, so the knife, the new knife's in a holding pattern and it's probably two to three weeks, but I want, I'm trying to front load it. I'm trying to get this thing going. So it could be, it could be the next 10 days possibly. We'll see. I'd like to think that I'm on the, uh, testing. Yeah. I want to be in the, there we go. (laughs) I want to give it a shakedown. That's mm-hmm. probably a lot of people that want to give it a shakedown. I can't wait, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dal- um, Dalton's going to give it a shakedown. He wants to learn. So, okay. um, yeah. It, All right. Be cool. Nice. Um, you feel like that like sums up 
CAD course. Yeah, probably now. does it. Yeah. yeah. Take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to lose my voice. I was recording content before this pod. The first time I recorded, I was did like a four-hour session of just recording and talking the whole time. Oh. And at the end, I was like, am I getting sick? I was like, why am I? I go like a frog. So it's like, I it's it's actually like harder than I was expecting. But that's a lot of, I would think that is a lot of content to think about. Like, I mean, I remember like even just doing the hours, like I couldn't process any more information mm-hmm. than we were doing an hour. I was leaving my ears were smoking. I mean, it's yeah. just like, you're like, you're learning so much around like just these concepts. And then it is really critical how you use them. And that's the thing. It's like, you can design poorly in fusion pretty easily. Mm-hmm designing well and like making i think you would frame it as like robust models is it's not that it's hard it's just that you have to you have to be thinking ahead the whole there's time. an order of operations right yeah. order of yeah. oper- i love order of operations mm-hmm. it's like if you can just teach that around anything yeah like right? i'll have a segment that's just called like timeline discipline Totally. And it's just, it's just like, I'll talk for five minutes about why it's important and stuff like that. So if you, if you're Ooh. like, wait, what's going on with the timeline, timeline discipline, watch that. You know, like I, I really want to, some of the segments are not going to be like, oh, the extrusion tool. It's going to be yeah, like yeah. a little bit more philosophical of like, this yes. tool is a weapon because it makes this happen and it makes this much more efficient. Yes. This tool is redundant and should never be used. And here is why from a, from a like intellectual structural, like higher level way. And Um, that, those are the things, that's what I mean about having something that is geared like past just technical for a knife. There are order and operations in general to make a knife. Like, yeah, there's some things that can be done out of order and everybody has different ways of doing things. But in general, if you are learning, having oversight from someone who is actually doing the process is a huge time saver. Mm -hmm. I have spent a lot of time learning processes that are unrelated to knife making and then adapting them. So you and I have talked about that idea. Like, okay, uh, if you are talking to an old machinist, he's going to tell you to basically, basically going to tell you to buy the biggest machine you can afford, right? Mm -hmm. The heaviest machine. Okay. As a knife maker, you start to realize that actually some of those tropes aren't true. Mm Mm-hmm. If you talk to someone who's doing knives, they might have very different information because it is related to what you're doing, mm-hmm. not general industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. It's good on you, man. You are doing a lot right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not busy though. Right? No, it's, it's good, man. It, this, well, and this is great. Like, I love this. This is one more aspect for you of some type of residual income, like which you know, I'm such a huge proponent of. I think that like as makers, one of the best areas we can spend time is figuring out how to, you know, maximize our time and get a return on it. Um, but it also, man, it, it kind of triggers a lot of, I think what I look for in the industry, which is it's a positive, it's a positive asset for the industry as a whole. It makes everybody that does it better. Um, it creates community. 
right? Like this is, I mean, you tie this into the podcast. Like I keep thinking about the pod and I'm like, my biggest goal is another platform to create a positive community inside of the knife industry and create connection between like makers and customers and, you know, just kind of, you create a, an ecosystem mm-hmm. that's a positive. So I think that's pretty rad. You're doing a good thing. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Teaching it. Okay. Um, we had a couple of questions that came through the Discord. Um, actually, just one. Just one? Okay. Yeah. The. I mean, that's like one in six. So I think his name is Will. Us. I think his name is Will. He was asked, uh, what do we do about naming knives in this day and age? How do we do that? He's a knife maker, so he wants Ooh. to know. Uh, What's your approach for naming a new Burnley model? Okay. Um, this is weird. There's there's a couple things here. One, I don't ever worry about if it's a name that's been used before. Okay. Um, they're knives. There are cool names, and there are things that are that relate to the design. I don't have a formal process. Um, it's a feeling like I name by a feeling. Like I pick the knife up and I'm like, oh, this feels like an ibis. Why does it feel like an ibis? Eh, it's kind of like beaky, like this bird. And yeah. I've got, if you notice, like I've got, I guess I have a lot of like natural names, tuna, squid, mm-hmm. ibis, mm-hmm. pelican. Um, I've got some numerical names. Why are they numerical? Because they felt the design or the design, like where I was designing from emotionally felt some like M69. I had an M1. Um, I've had like strafe is another one. So like strafe is like the way that the, the knife felt like from mm-hmm. a movement standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I don't, my goal is not to name a knife that someone else has named a knife, but like, I've had a whisper. I've had a Raven. I've like, there's some, like I have the Quiken, which is the worst name ever because it's basically naming a Bowie knife, the Bowie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's, there was a, what happened with that is I would say like at this point when a lot, when most people think of Quiken, I bet, I bet my knife is like in the top couple. Oh, for sure. Right. That oh, wasn't sure. always the case. Yeah. That was not like when people heard Quiken, that was not the case. So that, that was a situation where I named a knife after a genre and a a genre that was like, but like a a way previous genre that was a fixed blade that meant something else, but then kind of became a catch all. So I do try to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from the factory collaboration standpoint, it gets trickier because uh, most companies will not use a name that has been used before um for trademark issues and so there i think that there is a lot of value in having a unique name that can transfer to a company if if you go that route there are many knives that are different named as customs than they are as production for yes, that i would reason. guess you and i both have them and we do okay yeah <laughs> yep so, and, and some companies like do not, they don't even want to get close. So exactly. it could be like, maybe it's not even a knife, but it's like something that is in this field. Like it's a sharpener 
and it just has the same name and they just don't want to approach it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Custom side, like, yeah, I, I would you say like, do you have, do you have like a general kind of format for names? Like, do you have something that you pull from so inspirationally? So I like the idea of naming by feel, like you said. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the way I go. But like, as far as not naming it, something that's been done, I usually just go for like at the surface, like I'll Google like Overland knife. And like, I right. will usually just go like first page of Google and just make sure that it's not like, Oh, Boker Overland. Damn it. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so I, I usually make like a, like a superficial attempt to make sure that I'm not just right on top of some first, new knife. first pass. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't worry. I'm not like hiring an attorney to go make sure it hasn't been trademarked. Yeah. And like, if, if someone I know has used it, I won't use it. You know what I mean? Obviously. Yeah. But it's like, like you said, like if you're going to try to be big in corporate and like hire an attorney or like try to do like a deep dive investigation on like the durability of the name and from a legal standpoint, it's like, you're really opening a can of worms. Yeah. So pro- probably just name it what feels good. And I've had some names that end up in conflict occasionally, honestly, never really a big deal. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not like, they're my competitor, I'm going to name something that's like eerily close as, as like a, as like a snide thing. Yeah. That's, and I'm that's like, different. in, in general, I would say like, I'm pretty aggressive as far as like my interpretation of designs being too close. Yeah. Like I, I have, I have a ethical code around what I consider a design to be too close. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for myself and for others. Names are just one where it's kind of like, I suspect, and I guess this relates to the custom side because it's like, okay, if you have a Burnley whisper and 20 years before that, there was a Lyle whisper and there, my knife is not a copy of that knife. I just, I have a hard time. Yeah thinking it's a problem and saying that as like i mean like if someone names yeah if someone names a knife after one of my knives it's like there aren't that that has happened that's probably the least of my concerns yeah yeah um as i say it though i guess like yeah what you're saying i would do now i do like if i come up with a name that i think is cool i'm gonna at least do like a pass google like custom knife tuna Mm-hmm. right tune a folder and see if a contemporary or a company is using that name and i guess if that existed i probably would just move on yeah yeah um so that's yeah. fair yeah it's it's an interesting dilemma though the naming the knife thing like if you really are going for a unique name it's it's getting harder and harder really quick uh you find right. out that real quick when you like submit designs to crkt because they do the full legal entire right. just they they have an attorney check that name for trademark because they have right. to, they could get sued. Um, and so the, uh, like the hardest challenges I've ever had in naming is when I'm talking to CRKT and I'm like, I'm out of ideas and everything's kicking back from like the legal department. And like they, you know, we joke about with, with CRKT guys all the time about how yeah. that works. And, yeah. but the knives that I make in my shop, like I just, I kind of put that out of mind, like you said, right. But there's it's every interesting process. Every once in a while, you get like a gold nugget because like Overland, we Dude. got the trademark with CRKT. Yeah. I still can't believe that. Right. Yeah. But then there's other times where I'll do something where it's like really obscure sounding to me. Yeah. And they're like, nope, it bounced. I'm like, what? Yeah. And they're like, yep, this, you know, this manufacturer out of Lithuania, like they are selling them in the US. I'm like, 
what? Like, geez, I thought there's I was an, really obscure. There's another thing I think that comes into naming too, which is like, it's your personality. So it's, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, lately the, the, like the, the why concept keeps popping up. So it's like, yeah, there's lots of cool names, but why are you naming it that? Mm-hmm. Why is that your name? So like, mm-hmm. I was, I was just thinking about the little um, Barlow fixed blade that I have with Boker. Don't want to call it a Barlow. It's a Barlow pattern knife. So I call it the BFF. So uh, culturally, everybody knows, at least in the US, like what BFF means. And it, it stands for Barlow front fixed. That's like my acronym for it. But it's like, you know, yeah. best friends forever. Play, play and it's like words. this little, cute, useful knife. Mm-hmm. I think that if you, I think you're, the, the section of the industry that you're in plays a large part in how you name the knives because there is, there's power in a name. So yeah. who are you trying to get to understand your knife and who do you want to feel an attachment to it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that plays a lot. And I think yeah. that that. If you can answer that question, I think that that helps you start to develop names that probably are not as frequently used because they're yeah. they're literally more personal to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I've recently, very recently started to think that my naming structure is probably going to move towards geographical places that are unique to me. That Sheboygan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's actually hard to do that because a lot of names are right. Like they don't work. But if, if I think about the geographical places that mean something to me, yeah. this next knife that's coming is one of those. Ooh. And so, um, I, I hope to make that happen more. Okay. But, yeah. Are you going to make a point. geocache out of it? Cause that would be sick. There we go. There we Dude, go. I like that idea. Uh, remember when workshop was doing the, the boxes? Mm-mm. Wasn't that workshop? Wasn't workshop doing boxes? Workshop was doing. Oh boxes. yeah, they did. Yeah, they was in a... like in like yeah. a Yeti. Yep, that was sick. Mm-hmm. That such was... a good, such like a good again community building. It's gamification. There's so much there that is so fun, and it like ties into kind of like the ethos of self reliance and like mm-hmm. adventure. It's badass. Yep. Okay. Uh, what I thought there was another question. So the, the other one, ooh. other one wasn't a question. It was a note oh. that I took after our last pod because we talked. We kind of like put instinctual decision making on a pedestal at the end of the last episode. Yep. And right after the episode, it occurred to me. I'm like, so instinctual has a positive connotation. Yep. Impulsive has a negative connotation most of the time. Okay. What's the difference between? the negative sense of that side sort of decision-making impulsive side versus the instinctual side. How do you like draw the line? Okay. Ready for it. I think that an impulsive decision is one where there's no forethought involved. Okay. I would argue that an instinctual decision is one that is informed by experience. In general, right? Like as, mm-hmm. as we're using it, I would say like your instinct is a, is a muscle that is honed. Like people talk about street smarts. Well, what is street smarts? Street smarts are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you grow up in the mountains of Idaho, it's going to look different than, you know, like the streets of LA. Yeah. It's, you got a different thing, right? Yeah. In Idaho, you're going to see a bear. Mm-hmm. 
LA, you're not probably going to see a bear. There, you, there might be something dangerous. It's still street smarts. Yeah. 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 Do they cross over? I don't know, but there's probably a movie in that. Yeah. <laughs> a Hallmark <laughs> or, movie. Or a reality yeah. show. Yeah. Yep. We're taking Bear Grylls and we are dropping him into East LA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With a, with a backpack and a with a back, knife. <laughs> backpack. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. How do you think about it? Uh, so I don't know. It's a little bit of a harder one for me because it's not like definitionally I can separate them. Okay. But the question I have is in the moment, the gut that is telling you, how are you to, uh, how are you to ensure that it is an informed decision by like historical precedent? If, cause if it's instinctual, you're not overanalyzing it. It's a, it's a gut feeling. What, does that feeling differ from like a true impulsive situation where it's like shiny object syndrome? Okay. You know what I mean? Let's go. I can only relate this to myself and I'm curious to know if you have the same thing. So like I'm neurodivergent. I actually have a problem with impulse control. I know this for me. I can often tell the times where I'm impulsive because it's exciting. Like there's Mm -hmm. a different feeling. I would say instinctual for me lacks. uh, Either a like frenetic response, a like a like a lust response, excitement. There's all of these words where it's like it's less shiny object, right? It's less emotional. Yeah. Like if if I am if I'm making or about to make a impulsive decision. I feel like there's a lot of times where I realize for a split second that that is happening. I just Mm -hmm. can't always stop it. Yeah. How do you do not seem like an impulsive person? Um, I might be more than I let on. I don't know. I mean, that's hard (laughs) to answer, but like, but like the, the thing about, uh, instinctual to your point is like, when an instinctual decision pops into my head, like you need to do this. Yeah. I think the feeling that I usually get is relief because it feels like I just Ooh. escaped. A tr- it feels like I just escaped tension when the instinctual uh, like option came about. So it's like, if I'm, if I'm like kind of racking my brain over like, Oh, which direction am I going to go? You know, do I make a bigger knife or a smaller knife? Right. And when the instinct kicks in and it's like, no, this is the direction. Yeah, it's almost like a relief because it's like I no longer have to sit there and like struggle with the question. Yeah. Yes. Whereas, whereas with uh, impulsive, to your point, it's more of like you said, it's more of like, ooh, that sounds fun. That sounds like right. That's a, that is sounds like a adventurous thing to do and exciting, which is not all bad. No, but it's like there's a difference between gambling and like following that like sense of relief when like the the your your subconscious saw the opening yeah and there's like that sense of relief of having noticed it yeah um and then like i said in the last episode trusting that that the opening is there and that you're not like being deceived um but it but it's like if you're i don't know in a more impulsive way it's like it's like you know if you go buy a car off a lot like that can be very impulsive scenario like i've been there a lot of people have been there it's like I feel like there's there's a lot less relief involved in something like that. It's usually high emotion 
situation. It's like I can add. I think I can, there's another layer to this too, which is I would say I can rationalize a impulsive decision. Mm-hmm. So I can I can sit there and rationalize for a while and then make the decision and then instantly realize I made a mistake. Whereas I would say with like instinctual decisions, that doesn't happen. Like I don't regret or I have not, I can't think of times where I have trusted my intuition and have regretted it. That's not to say that I didn't make maybe the wrong choice in the moment as it related to like a financial gain or like something like that. But I still think that those over a timeline were the right decisions. Mm. Whereas I think a lot of the impulsive decisions are based. Yeah. Like you said, like it's like excitement. I'll get caught up in the moment. I'll make a decision. And then I'll think, Oh man, like what was I thinking? That's like, not that. That doesn't that doesn't align with what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that inside there is is back to that question of why mm-hmm. and like alignment. So like, what is important to you? Why are why are you doing it? Does this decision align with your overall goal? Here here's a here's a we talked about this after the pod the last time we didn't record it. I think this captures the emotional state of the two for me is like with impulsive in, in human relationships. Like, let's say it's like you're dating or something mm-hmm. with impulsive. It's more of like the, the lust factor of like sure. the excitement factor. Whereas if you've ever been lucky enough to like meet the one, right. That, that feeling of relief that comes yeah. from that, like the, inst- that's like the instinctual trigger of like, this is a this is a low pressure relief like let off when you make yeah. that discovery yeah. versus this is an this is a like exponential level of excitement right. scenario. It's like that those two that contrasting those two like really explains it for me. If that makes sense. That one's so hard to wrap around though, because like yeah. I have experienced that legitimately one time mm-hmm. and I'm married to Maddie. Same, but I had never experienced it that way. So it's like, if you haven't experienced that, that reference is not relevant. Yeah. 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 That's weird for me. That's the most clear, but yeah, I understand. Yeah. That makes the, yeah, I guess looking at framing it around that is interesting because yeah, there, there's obviously like there's excitement around it, but there was even from the beginning, there was like a certain type of security in the decisions that I was making that even if it had ultimately like not worked out, I don't think I still think like I was making the right decision. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, it's an interesting one. Um, it was funny because last week after we had recorded, I sent you, I think like a day or two later, I had sent you that post from housemate. Yeah. And he the was timing. legitimately talking about the same thing almost word for word almost word for word and like totally unrelated just like don't dwell on your decisions like trust your gut make the choice i almost have to look at i almost am inclined to bring that up right now because it was so it was so on the nose yeah um okay i will have it in just a second (laughs) it is okay 
Overthinking is the biggest waste of human energy. Trust yourself, make a decision, and gain more experience. There is no such thing as perfect. You cannot think your way into perfection. Just take action. Yes. That is awesome. I love it. So shout out to Brian Brian, over at Housemade. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know him either, um, but I see a lot of his stuff. You know, I was thinking about that, like just from just like pod standpoint, I love because I love our industry so much. I just feel like it feels nice when you like shout people out because mm-hmm. there's a lot of good people in our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, speaking of, okay. do you know uh, Lynch Lynch clips? No, you know, like the the Lynch clips that like go on you saying it slower isn't going to make me understand it more yeah that's valid um (laughs) i mean (laughs) the lin l l y and no i'm just kidding uh so uh i believe it's i'm looking him up right now i'm I'm about to shout him out and i'm trying to actually double check that his first name is correct in my brain but Uh... lynch is the last name and uh he stopped by my shop um and another really cool guy that i was really excited to meet is from washington oh you know what i just came across these because i think he does a a wire clip replacement yeah he does replacement clips for like everything super cool dude this is so that's so weird legitimately yesterday i was looking at casey lynch okay casey lynch okay so you're gonna shout out casey lynch yeah i kind of modeled that one no, I know that was a goof. <laughs> that was a goof. But uh, but no, Casey Lynch. Yeah, he's uh, he stopped by the shop. I really enjoyed talking to him. And uh, yeah, where uh, is he? Uh, Lynch, Washington, Northwest. Mm, yeah, Northwestern Washington. Um, but, I'm trying to find. Does he have? Does he have a an Insta or is this like? Is he? Does he not exist on the socials? Uh, Lynch. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Honestly. He just he just showed up in my shop and he's an awesome guy. But he let, he gave me this. Oh, see the text on there. TJ's last word. So it's a titanium with brass. Ooh, yeah. But anyway, I just want to shout him out. That was cool. Nice. That was really cool um, to have him in the shop. Small world, man. Yeah, we were. I, I was having a a design conversation with Boker around the wire clip on, um, the new Kihon with the crossbar lock. Mm-hmm. And I was doing, I was just like searching stuff and I came across his clips. I was like, that is awesome. It's a deep carry, like titanium replacement clip for some of the knives that utilize wire clips. Uh, I love wire clips, but if you want to like do an upgrade, um, Casey's stuff is awesome. Small world. Mm -hmm. Nice. Good stuff. Um, What else, man? Is there Um, anything else like you want to go over today? Shoot, uh, that about does it for me, I think. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, my brain's about fried after CAD courses and then a podcast. And I'm feeling good today. I have, um, I finished today was my four month check in with my chiropractor for a back injury, Hmm. and I just had my second set of x rays done, and it is awesome. Um, I'm back better than neutral, and some of like the damage, including like bone like bone like reabsorption Hmm. so like areas where my spine was like having a very hard time and starting to like grow bone has actually started to like it started to dissolve that's crazy dude. dude it's crazy um i started i was going three times a week and then two times a week 
up until this point for four months straight. So I just like graduated. Um, feels really good. That's awesome. Keep ha- like, just like the CAD thing, it, everything has been this like kind of process of linking. So like the gym thing I'm on today, I think was like my, maybe like 23rd day of five days a week. Feeling really good. Got Maddie going. Today is her first week of every day in the gym. Feels good. Mm-hmm. That's it's fantastic. Like, yeah. I think we owe it, dude. It's funny. Like makers spend so much time in their head. And like, there are times where you're spending like more time at the bench or the grinder or the milling machine or whatever. And then there's times where you're spending more time in your head. Neither of those things do anything for your body, but your body supports the other things. Yeah. Body and brain are not separate. Not separate. Yeah. They're the same thing. Yeah. They like, even from a standpoint of like clear thinking and like speed of thought and like cognition, I think just having a system that's like functioning well, Mm -hmm. dude, it's a big improvement. Yeah. I look at it like the, the benefit of like working for myself. I think the like fitness is the debt that I have to pay for that. It's like an easy way to look at it where you're like, yeah, I can do this, but like, I don't have, I don't have a backup plan. So Mm -hmm. it's been good, man. Um, Yeah. That's That's all I got. I'm just kind of cranking, making stuff for the Kentucky custom knife show. Cool. And yeah, we uh, really got onto some other topics, but next week let's talk about that. Dude, that's fine. There's not much to talk about there. Really. Um, I love the show. Eh, There is, there is, we can talk about half measures. Mm-hmm. next episode that okay. i've been thinking a lot about those okay perfect uh, yeah good okay. stuff i'm, I'm right, gonna guys. take note in trello <laughs> half measures half measures i love it well, uh, and your your notebook's a half measure sorry you need trello i know i've got it i sent you i just forgot my password <laughs> um you guys thank you for listening as always um thanks for being part of this community and leave us a leave us a review appreciate it Peace. Join Discord so we can have a conversation.